As I said, we are going to be in the book of Philemon for at least a couple of weeks. And uh, I neglected to tell you where it was. It's hard to find, actually. It's between the book of Titus and Hebrews. I'm looking at my Bible in the end of Titus and the beginning of Philemon is on one page. And then on the next page, the end of Philemon and the beginning of Hebrews. So... Uh, you can miss it easily. But I'm going to reread just the first seven verses as we uh, examine what God would be saying to us uh, through this short book, uh, an epistle of Paul. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every word of the, of the Lord that's been given to us in the scriptures. Every book, Lord, is, is unique and every book is inspired of God. And Lord, <clears throat> may this book of Philemon and uh, our time in it over the next few weeks uh, be well spent time. Maybe we learn things, Lord, that we need to know. Uh, how we might uh, live for you in a uh, wicked and sinful age. Uh, Father, we pray your blessing now on the reading and preaching of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, the book of Philemon, as you probably realize, is the shortest of all Paul's epistles. And he wrote this letter, unlike 2 Timothy, uh, he wrote this letter during his first imprisonment in Rome, probably written the same time as the books of both Colossians and Ephesians, and some think that all three letters, Philemon, Colossians, and Ephesians, were delivered at the same time to these congregations, which weren't far apart. In fact, <clears throat> Philemon was part of the Colossian church. And... Uh, <clears throat> they were delivered at the same time by Tychicus and Onesimus, who was going back, uh, as we read earlier in the book, going back to his master, Philemon. Well, so the letter was is addressed to an individual, to Philemon, but it's also addressed to a family and to a church. Uh, so all three. Uh, and Philemon seems to be a, have been a person of some wealth and status in the Colossian community, and uh, he may have been an officer in the church. Some of the older commentators think he was a pastor, a preacher. Uh, he was, to Paul, a beloved friend and fellow laborer, and he had uh, come to know Christ under Paul's preaching. Uh, and, and the purpose of this letter was for Paul to intercede for a runaway slave named Onesimus, this Slave uh, was at that time uh, the property of uh, Philemon, 
And apparently he had robbed his master and fled to Rome where he thought he would blend in with the crowds and uh, not be caught, not be found out. But God had other plans for Onesimus. Uh, The Lord brought Onesimus into contact with the Apostle Paul where he heard the gospel and put his faith in Christ. He was converted uh, to Christ. He came to Christ. He fled his earthly master and came to know his heavenly master. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. And that's true with all of us. And we can take comfort from that because uh, if, if we always got our own way in life and did everything we wanted to do, we'd have never, we'd have never come to Christ. Uh, God is the one who is directing man's steps. He has an eternal plan. And that plan was part of that plan was to save Onesimus from his sin and then make him useful for God's kingdom. Uh, at that time, as I said, Paul was under house arrest. Acts 20 describes uh, the situation in verses 30 and 31 that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house uh, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no one forbidding him. So this imprisonment was a house arrest. It wasn't too difficult. And so Onesimus, this fugitive slave, came to Paul. He heard the word of God. And we know that Paul teaches in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What a privilege it is to hear the word of God. What a blessing it is to hear the gospel. Your ears have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not everyone on this earth has heard the word of God. But you have. That's God's design. That's God's plan. What a blessing it is to put your faith in the Son of God revealed in the word of God, the written word, the gospel. You and I were not much different than Onesimus. We were slaves to sin. We were on the run from God. But God had other plans for us. He had plans for us to hear that word of Christ and to come to know his son. But it's possible that you're listening uh, here today in this service or maybe through the sermon audio broadcast and you're running from God, yet now you're hearing that word. And so that, I would offer to you, is a sign that it's time to stop running away from God and to run to Him. And you might be a Christian who has wandered from God. Today's message to you is, according to Hosea 12.6, Hosea said, So you, by the help of your God, return. Return. Come back to your true master. Your first love. Well, Onesimus, through faith in the Lord, was reconciled to God. And now Paul in this letter is is very tactfully. We we learn a lot from Paul in how to deal with a a delicate situation, right? Paul was not a bull in a china shop. Uh, He was very, uh, very tactful here. And so he appeals to Philemon to reconcile with his servant Onesimus and to receive him. 
again, this time not only as a servant or a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And, and he made his appeal to Philemon. He said, because you're a beloved friend and a fellow laborer, I appeal to you. Uh, so Philemon was, was a beloved brother, and now so was Onesimus. Paul, Onesimus, the slave, Philemon, the slave owner, are all brothers. What an interesting little group right there. Just three people. You know, all who are joined to Jesus Christ are members of his body and members of each other. We are one in Christ, brothers and sisters, no matter our ethnic background, our race, our social standing, uh, our financial standing, whatever it may be. All those things kind of just fade into the background, really, when we come to know Christ. <clears throat> Today there are, of course, many sharp divisions in our culture, uh, divisions over race, gender, Political party, sexual orientation, uh, immigration, COVID-19, we could go on and on. Every, every, every topic that you could think of, to our nation today is divided on. Is there an answer to these divisions, or are we just going to fight it out and uh, have a civil war? Well, some people are saying that. But yes, our divisions can disappear when we come together. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way our nation can come together in any sense is through Christ. The only way our divisions can disappear is when we put our faith in him. Galatians 3.28, Paul wrote this. <clears throat> there is neither Jew nor Greek, Jew nor Gentile. That was a huge division. Uh, the Gentiles hated the Jews and the Jews couldn't stand the Gentiles. How would they ever come together and be friends? Well, in Christ they did. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. Whoa, right here. Uh, almost a third of citizens in the Roman Empire were slaves at that time. And they, uh, you had the slaves and you had the free people. And there was a big divide between those two. And yet, there's neither slave nor free, Paul says. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We make such a big deal of these things, don't we? And yet, in Christ, all that matters is that we know him, that we are reconciled to him, and therefore we are related by, by uh, the blood of Christ who bought us, and we are brothers and sisters in him. So, Jesus Christ is the answer to our separation from God. That's the problem with humanity is that we're separated from God by sin. And so he's also the answer to our divisions and our conflicts with each other. Any two Christians, and I believe this with all my heart, who have a conflict, if there are two genuine Christians who have a conflict in their relationship, they can be reconciled together in Christ. And if reconciliation does not happen, either one or both of them are being disobedient to the Lord. Now, Paul and Philemon were brothers in Christ, and they had developed this close bond, and, and, and Philemon was dear to Paul because they both belonged to the one uh, that they loved with all their heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know for certain that you belong to Christ by faith? Um, 
then if so, then you need to recognize, you need to recognize that we also belong to each other in Christ. When Onesimus was converted, he too became a beloved brother of both Philemon and Paul. And on that basis, Paul appeals to Philemon. Onesimus is a brother. Maybe there's going to be a... Here's, here's my suggestion to you, uh, Philemon, uh, to receive him back as a brother. And yes, maybe a servant too, but, but more than that, a brother. Uh, and, uh, you know, on that basis, he appeals to Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Now, he could have... I mean, owners had, uh, you know, almost absolute rule over their slaves. It could have them put to death for almost any reason they chose to in those days. And so uh, to forgive a runaway slave who had also stolen from you was a, was a large uh, request, really. Uh, but in Christ, these things are possible. So Philemon was not only a, a beloved brother, but a fellow laborer. And they labored together in the cause of the gospel. You see, as soon as, as Philemon became a Christian, and as soon, indeed, as you and I become Christians, we become, or ought to become, laborers, workers in God's kingdom, in his church. Uh, but he had joined Paul in being a witness to the gospel of Christ to a lost world. That's why we're here. That's why we're still here in this world and the church of Jesus Christ is always in need of more laborers. Um, because we're all supposed to be laborers, but we're not all really laboring. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus told his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So you and I need to, to, to be praying for more laborers for the harvest. But we also need to pray like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. He says, here am I, send me uh, to be a laborer in your harvest field. So what are you doing to reach others for Christ? What am I doing to reach others for Christ? Neighbors, friends, are we intentional about these things that they would become friends of Christ? Uh, we can do that a number of ways, of course, by witnessing directly uh, and by bringing them to church, which is a great thing to do, and uh, by praying for pastors and missionaries, by giving, contributing, and so on. Uh, faithfully attending, you know, just faithfully attending the worship service of the church is a witness to the world. It's a witness to those who, who attend and so on. So the important thing is that we're all, as believers, called to serve to labor in the church and to labor for the salvation of the lost. Um, that is your job. Uh, and, and, uh, and so <clears throat> Philemon is an example of one who labored, and we can learn from him. Uh, the letter was addressed mainly to Philemon, but verse 2 says it was also written to Aphia, the beloved Aphia. Uh, some translations say Aphia, our sister, um, from a different ancient text, uh, have that, uh, a variant reading. So we don't know which one was right, but Aphia was evidently Philemon's wife, and it would have been her duty as a helpmeet to Philemon to supervise the, the duties of slaves that uh, were under their uh, care. Well, Jeff Wilson comments that her own response to Paul's appeal 
for Onesimus would have been a crucial factor in influencing the decision of her husband. So Paul's make sure to mention his wife because uh, wives uh, are, are a very integral part, of course, uh, to the, the marriage and to Philemon's outlook on life was going to be influenced uh, largely by his wife. And so Paul appeals to her really as well. And, uh, and it's also fair to assume, most commentators do, that Archippus is Philemon's son. He's probably an adult. Uh, he's referred to as a fellow soldier. So certainly you would think he was grown. And uh, fighting the spiritual battles that alongside Paul and alongside his father Philemon, um, possibly, again, a minister of the gospel, because in Colossians 4:17, if it's the same Archippus, Paul writes and he says to he says, "And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it." And Paul continues, and he says, "And to the church in your house." I read part of a, a sermon. C.H. Spurgeon preached an entire sermon just on that one phrase: "To the church in your house." Uh, the early church, of course, didn't have church buildings like we do that we call that we wrongly call churches. Right? We call the building the church, but we know it's the people, the people of God. Uh, and uh, the church is the assembly of believers in Jesus Christ. Well, the church met in private homes in those days. They didn't have buildings set aside uh, yet. It, that came, of course, in time as a practical uh, a way to meet a practical need. And so it's likely that the church of the Colossian church was split up into a number of different house churches. And one met in Philemon's house. Another possible understanding of Paul's phrase here, the church in your house, that he was simply talking about Philemon and his family as being like, like a little church, like really all families ought to be. Right? Your your home, your family, uh, is uh, a little church. And Jonathan Edwards talked about that uh, in, in his writings. But the husband is to lead his wife uh, and children, if there are children in the home, in the worship of God and in the instruction of the Word of God. And so every every home is is a is a is a place of worship, uh, a church, and every home also should be a missionary outpost. Uh, seeking to bring the lost to know Christ. And Paul said, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so Paul knew that Philemon and the, his family and his church uh, needed grace, needed peace. And that's what every sinner needs every day. You need a lot of grace and you need a lot of peace. Well, God's grace is, is what saves us. It's the unmerited favor of God, but it's also the ongoing assistance that God gives us to live the Christian life and to, to enable us to do his will. And, and peace, really, is the result. It's the effect of God's grace at work in us. You say, we want to go straight to the peace. I want a, I want a feeling of well-being. I want to feel good. And uh, But grace instructs us or enables us to do the will of God. And when we do the will of God, uh, we're going to experience the peace of God. So uh, grace, where does it come from? It flows down from God's throne of grace, 
through Christ, the mediator of grace, and we experience that grace by the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So it's Trinitarian grace. And whatever difficulty you're facing right now, uh, God's grace is available to you in abundance to deal with that difficulty. And, and Paul knew that Philemon would need a lot of grace and peace in order to carry out this, uh, his wishes in this letter. And so Paul also made sure to pray for him. How do we get grace? Well, we, one of the means of grace is prayer. And Paul prays for him like he does. You know, every time I read one of his letters, he's always praying for those people. I'm always praying for you, Philemon. Well, he's also always praying for the Ephesians, always praying for, you know, I mean, he, he must have spent a lot of time in prayer. He had so many people and places to pray for. But he says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. And Paul was always giving thanks. In his prayers, he gave thanks for Philemon. And it's easy, of course, we know, to, uh, to focus in prayer only on our problems and needs. Right? Uh, you know what happens, right? People say, well, you know, cast all your cares on the Lord and, and, and then, you know, you, you'll come away with, with peace. Well, not necessarily. Because if all you do is just is, is come with those burdens and those problems and you fail to give thanks... You're not going to experience his peace, uh, his, um, you know, that peace, uh, deep peace in the soul. Well, uh, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So, so when, when you have a difficulty that you're facing, a trial that you're going through, uh, make sure to give thanks. And, because, yes, and this is an original phrase with me. I didn't copy it from anybody. When you give thanks, you get peace. Okay? You can take that home. And uh, when you give thanks, you get peace. Well, in verse 5, Paul mentions some of the things that he was thankful for that he saw in Philemon. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Aren't you thankful for the faith that God has given you? Aren't you thankful for the faith that he's given your spouse? And given to your children. You see, faith is a gift. And, and that faith unites us to the giver, Jesus Christ. And our faith is expressed, of course, in many ways. But it's trusting God for salvation. But it's also trusting him in hard times, difficulties. So thank God for your faith and pray for more. Thank God for the faith of your family members. And pray for those who are lacking faith. So that God would give the gift of faith to them. So Philemon was a true believer. And how do we know that? Because his faith found expression in love. Love. You know, hearing of your love and faith, Paul says. So do you love the Lord Jesus? You know, not everyone loves Christ. Um, and it's a very serious matter because 1 Corinthians 16, 22 says, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. So love for Christ, first of all, is, 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 is a true sign of, a sign of true faith. But it's not natural to love Christ. Christ comes to us, you see, and says, I am King of kings and Lord of lords, and you must receive me as such. You must turn from your sin and submit to my rule over your life. 
and quit going your own way. Well, no one wants to do that by nature. And so the world certainly and the devil hate Jesus Christ, and so did we. You know, we may not have been aware of that. So did we until we were converted and saved. Well, of course, sometimes, when, you know, and most of us would say we do love Christ. But sometimes that love can grow cold. And as Jesus says in, in Revelation, you know, we can leave our first love. But what, is he, what did he say? What did Jesus say was the remedy? If you left your first love, and he gives them the remedy in Revelation 2.4. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works. Go back and recall uh, the love that you did have and the, and the works that you were doing for Christ because you loved him. And, and pray that the Lord will uh, renew that love. Repent, uh, that turning. So our love for Christ, it ought to be growing hotter and growing deeper every day. Philemon was one who loved Christ, but he also loved all the saints. You know, for Christians, it's, it is kind of easy to love Jesus because he's never done anything wrong to us, right? Uh, he's, he died for us. He forgives us. He provides for all our needs. But it's not as easy to love other Christians, um, especially the ones closest to you sometimes, and also the ones who tend to rub you the wrong way, uh, the ones who are difficult. Well, maybe you, maybe me, <laughs> right? Maybe I'm the difficult one. But it, I admit I'm, I'm, I would be difficult to love. But so all of us uh, can find it difficult. There's a poem someone wrote. You've heard it before. To live above with the saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints we know. Well, that's another story. Not as easy. Dr. Ralph Davis preaching on this passage. He says, so here's a man, Philemon, who loves Jesus. And you know that he does because he loves Jesus' people. And the two go together. You can't say, I love Jesus, but not love his people. We're to love all the saints, uh, not just the ones that we like or already have a connection with uh, or, or, or have certain things in common. We have Christ in common. We ought to love all the saints. Um, John wrote, and this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two great commandments. So in verse 6, now we come to a verse <clears throat> that is a bit difficult to translate and really figure out what Paul is saying. But he prays that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Uh, one commentator said, well, the meaning of almost every word in this difficult phrase or difficult verse is disputed. Um, so, you know, it's, it's difficult to translate, and there are different translations of it. And uh, when we hear that phrase today, sharing of your faith, we think about witnessing. But it, it's broader than that. It does include witnessing, uh, certainly. It, it includes sharing of your faith with brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, we can share our faith with each other, uh, and, and as well as with the lost. Uh, the Greek word that's translated sharing is, uh, in verse 6, is the word koinonia. It's often translated fellowship. It means participation, fellowship, communication, sharing. 
So our faith in Jesus Christ is meant to be shared. It's not meant to be hoarded uh, and just held on to. It's meant to be shared, to, to be communicated, to be uh, given. Christ gave himself for us, and we are to give ourselves uh, to others by word and deed. So here's the thing. When we share our faith with others, when we share the gospel, we share what we've learned, uh, we're, we're giving... Uh, what what God has given to us. He's taught us. We help to teach others. And when we share generously from our lives, from our finances, etc., it's then that our faith can become visible. Others will see it and they will acknowledge, as Paul says in this verse, the good that comes from us is for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, the, the good works are the expression of your faith. And if no one can see your faith, if no one sees any good works, then we might wonder if the faith is there. Uh, so it's only as we put it into practice, as we share the gospel, but also our own lives. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. I keep quoting Paul. He's got so many epistles. It's wonderful. Uh, we... We're well pleased, Paul said, to impart to you not only the gospel of God, that's the most important thing, that's the most needful thing of all human beings, is to hear the gospel. But he says, we imparted not only the gospel, but our own lives, because you had become dear to us. So, when you and I, if we want to be witnesses for the Lord, realize it involves much more than words. Words are important. The word of God is the most important thing, the gospel. But it involves an active love for others. Uh, and it involves a willingness to forgive, to overlook offenses. And this is what Paul is trying to, to urge Philemon to do. You know, I mean, this is a big sin that, that Onesimus had committed against his master. And others may have committed big sins against you. But... The reality of your love that God has shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans says, is that you and I need to be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us. That is a test of love. And so when, you know, when Philemon, it appears that Philemon does forgive Onesimus and takes him back eventually, but... Um, that's going to be a huge, huge testimony to the people around him. Did you hear about Philemon? He forgave his runaway slave. He didn't punish him. He went and hugged him and gave him uh, a big welcome back. As if, you know, that's the prodigal son, isn't it? All over again. And we'll get more into that in, in future uh, parts of, of this book. But... Um, to be a witness involves much more. It involves a demonstration of the love of Christ in the gospel. Not just telling about it, but demonstrating it. And so I would ask you, are you sharing your faith? Are you sharing your life with others? Yes, that means you have to get involved. And yes, that means a bit of disruption in your comfortable routine of life. I totally relate to that. I have a very comfortable routine that I don't like to be shaken up, but we need to be willing uh, to do that. 
And as we share our faith, we need to pray that God would make our efforts effective so that people will acknowledge that it comes from Christ who is at work uh, in, in, in through us. Uh, people would see, we need to pray that people will see that it's God who's at work in us to will and do of his good pleasure. We want God to get the glory. That's the point. Well, finally, verse 7, as we conclude, he says, We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. Been refreshed. Uh, and, and, and that word refreshed was a term in those days it was used to signify an army who had been on a march and they take a rest so that they can be refreshed. Picture Philemon as someone who, who comes along to, to you know, this group of dry and parched soldiers and he's got a cooler full of ice cold drinks, whatever drink you like that quenches your thirst, and he brings it to them and refreshes them. Well, that's what happens spiritually. Philemon was, was one who refreshed people. You know, there's some people that we can be around and, and they're kind of a drain. They drain us. Uh, and, and yet God wants us to be those who refresh others, who, who actually uh, bring people and lift them up. Well, Philemon was a beloved friend to Paul, a faithful laborer. You know, God's looking for those kinds of people in the church. Not just people who come and soak it all in, but people who give, who are willing to serve. And you say, what can I do to serve the Lord in the church? You know, I can't teach. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not called to, to preach, whatever. Well, how about this? Be a friend to others. Philemon was a beloved friend to Paul. Be a friend to someone. Um, and, and, and then be faithful when, when you're called upon to do something. It doesn't matter if it's a lowly little thing. Just be faithful. And Paul was about to ask Philemon to do something pretty difficult to receive back a thieving, runaway, uh, rebellious slave and to receive him as a brother in Christ. And, and Paul knew he could count on Philemon to do such a thing because Philemon had been faithful in the past. So uh, we need to pray that God would make us faithful. And that's to, to be faithful is to be trustworthy. It is to have a, a consistent Christian character. You can be counted on. Pray that God would make you faithful. And uh, I'll close with this. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. May God make us uh, a faithful man or woman uh, of God. Let's pray.